Good morning. So good to see you this morning. Um, I want to welcome those in the Renew service. Uh, that uh, we can uh, share this message through video is, uh, is pretty, pretty remarkable. And uh, it's just great to be with you this morning. You know, this uh, summer, the theme of our messages has been around the weather. And uh, yesterday I went out for coffee with a friend and we were sitting outside, outside of a Starbucks. And uh, as we sat there, I was watching in the horizon the clouds building. And a thunderstorm started to build a little bit more and more. And the sky got darker and uh, there was a bit of lightning in the distance. And it was actually fun to just watch that storm develop. And by the time we finished with coffee, I was walking home and I thought, I'm going to get a little bit wet here. And uh, I was in short sleeve shirts and, uh, and certainly not prepared for the weather. And the thunderstorm broke open and the rain came down and the hail came down and the wind was there. And it was a really fantastic storm. <laughs> and two hours later, it was sunny. And I'd say, you know, that, that really describes the weather, it seems, that we've been having in Edmonton over the last little while. It's, un, it's been unsettled, unsettled weather. And uh, truth be told, that's the way I'm feeling a little bit this morning as well. A little bit uh, nervous, excited, but, you know, this is not what I'm most comfortable doing. And this is a message about comfort and a message about what makes us uncomfortable. And I recognize that I'm a, a lay leader in this church. I don't have formal... Uh, training uh, in in the Bible, and so I pray that uh, the message of God would come through clearly uh, to you today, and that what I speak today would be true. And unlike some great speakers I've heard recently, I actually need my notes, so bear with me. <clears throat> in May of 1997, a couple were arrested for leaving their 14-month-old infant in in a stroller outside of a New York City cafe while they were inside dining. The baby was taken away from them, put in protective services, child protective services, and it was several days before they were reunited. And of course, this hit the news. Why on earth was this couple having a baby outside of a stroller on the sidewalk in New York? The weather was a bit cool. It wasn't really that warm out. And there were people thinking, what kind of parents are this? And uh, all sorts of media hype around what kind of parents would leave their kids outside in a stroller. But what people didn't understand is that these folks were actually from Denmark. They lived in Copenhagen. And it's actually quite common in Denmark, um, or in many of the Scandinavian countries, for kids to be left outside cafes while the parents might be inside dining. It's so common, in fact, that in Finland, they estimate that 95% of parents actually have their kids napping outside. And so while this might be what a cafe looks like in New York, this is what a cafe would look like in Copenhagen. And this couple was from Copenhagen. And this is what they were used to in Denmark, is leaving their kids outside while they were inside. And of course, they would pop out and check on the kids, or they might have a baby monitor to make sure the baby's okay, their kids safely bundled up. But there's this belief, this thinking, in many Scandinavian countries, that fresh air is really good for kids. And actually, napping outside is really good for kids. And when they nap outside, they actually are more likely to sleep better at night. And there's this belief, this thinking around that. And if you actually even look at the strollers 
they're, they're actually designed differently than we might see many of our strollers here in North America. They're designed with heavy-duty wheels on them because rain or shine, in the snow, in the slush, they're getting out there with their strollers and they're taking their infants for walks. And they're designed to lay flat so that the babies can sleep in them. And you can see the covering on the strollers. This is just part of the culture that fresh air is good for you, fresh air is good for your babies. And so you can see why this couple might have thought, hey, we're going to New York, and it may not be the wisest thing to leave your child outside on the, on the sidewalk in New York, but it was within their culture of what they were used to doing. And in fact, there's such a philosophy in Scandinavia around the importance of getting outside and being in the fresh air that there's this statement out there that says there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. And it's a common parenting mantra, and I think they probably use it on their kids all the time, is when they don't want to go outside, they say there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. Put on your rain gear, get outside. It's important. We believe in it. And it's a mindset that has been built into the Scandinavian parenting culture. There's an author, her name's Linda McGurk. She wrote a book, There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather. And, and it, she's actually from a Swedish background, but she lived for many years in Illinois, in the Midwest of the US. And in Illinois, she found the culture of parenting so different from the culture back in, in her hometown and how she was brought up. And her book is really tells the story about raising two young girls, having them go to school in Illinois, and then going back and living for six months in Sweden when her father was ill, and just how different the culture was. And one of the best examples was their, their culture around recess, that the kids go outside, rain or shine. It doesn't matter what the weather is. The kids go outside, and the list of things that she brought or was told to bring to kindergarten for her kindergartner was very different, and this is a list on the left-hand side of the screen, than the things that she was told to bring to school when she brought her kids in Illinois. Bring mittens, socks, winter coveralls, thick sweaters, a fleece, rain gear. This is the equipment you need to go to school, to kindergarten in Sweden. Whereas it's all about the supplies, the school supplies that the budget doesn't cover in, in the US. And she writes this book, and it's an interesting book, and it talks about the differences about this. And I think this idea of there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes, could be a somewhat helpful, uh, somewhat true parenting tip, because it helps counter our tendencies towards comfort and control. If you think of the tendencies that we have in North America, so much of us place value on being comfortable. We have a very climate-controlled life. We, the temperature of our houses and our buildings are controlled within half a degree of what we feel comfortable with. When you go out into your car, within three minutes, you're able to control the climate of your car. We have all sorts of great clothing that keeps us comfortable, comfortable shoes, jackets, merino wool, Gore-Tex outdoor gear. I can drive from my garage, my heated garage, to work all winter long, and the most I'll ever spend outside is about 22 seconds, if I choose to. 
You don't even need a jacket. doesn't matter if it's minus 20. You don't even need a jacket to get the 22 seconds it takes to walk from your car to the back to, or inside again. And our emphasis on, on safety as a culture, that maybe it's not safe to go outside, it's uncomfortable, but we sure have the strong emphasis on safety about protecting our kids. That's actually quite different in the Scandinavian cultures. It's not that they don't care about safety. It's just that there's a little bit more looseness around letting kids get outside, letting them play, letting them have unstructured time. They have this concept of summer legs. Summer legs are those expected legs, what your legs look like at the end of summer with scrapes and bruises, and that it's not going to be without scars. And as we think about that, our North American culture really does have a focus on comfort, on luxury, and on convenience and safety. These kids look like they're actually having fun. They're out there, they're in the mud, they're playing in the mud, they're in the rain. And there's a sense that actually exposing kids to dirt and a little bit of mud actually might be a healthy thing for them. And in fact, there is medical evidence that exposure to a little bit of dirt actually reduces your risk of allergy in the long run. There is this thing about fresh air and about that mindset of going outside regardless of the weather. Is there something to be said for just being a little bit damp, a little bit too hot, maybe a little too cold, a little bit uncomfortable? Could our Canadian blessings, if you want to call them that, actually be a hindrance to our growth? Well, what are the results? What do they see in Scandinavia? Why did they do this? Why is this important? Well, they found that this idea of being outside on a regular basis provides a connection to nature that lasts for life. Kids are actually more likely to walk, bike, or ski as an adult. They become environmentally conscious. They develop other habits, like eating less sugar, refined food, better sleep habits. They spend less time on their screens, their mobile devices, or on TV. They spend more time playing with unstructured play and social time with others. And there's some studies that have shown lower incidence of anxiety, depression, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And so why do they have this thinking, this philosophy? It's because they want to create healthy, resilient, and confident kids. There's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. Why might this statement resonate? Why might this be something that is a mantra of parenting? Well, it's a bit of a motivating statement of defiance. I will defy the weather. Clearly, it's not entirely true. There is such a thing as bad weather. There are hurricanes and tornadoes and lightning, and there are times where it is unsafe to be outside. But that's not the majority of the time. The majority of the time, sometimes it's just our, perhaps, addiction to comfort that prevents us from going outside. And to overcome that inertia and that grip of inactivity, to actually go outside, this statement might be helpful. It's similar to the Nike statement, just do it, when it comes to exercise. Sometimes we just have to just do it. No excuses. Get out there and do that. So some of you may say, well, this is all very interesting, Kurt, but where are you actually 
going with this? Isn't this a message on a Sunday morning from a platform? But I do wonder if there isn't a parallel in our spiritual lives. Do we seek the comfort, climate control, convenience, and safety in our spiritual lives? And are these things that are of strong value? How many times when things might be getting uncomfortable, do we retreat to a safe space? Do we seek shelter from a storm or avoid a conflict? Do we listen to a sermon on a Sunday morning and reflect on how much the message might apply to our spouse or to someone else in the audience and not to ourselves? Or do we avoid the spiritual disciplines because they're uncomfortable? Do we avoid praying because it's hard? We're reading the word because we're too busy. I know I do. And I would often much rather do something entertaining or, or perhaps even eat some comfort food than do those things. Now, don't get me wrong. Comfort is not wrong. But is there some merit in sometimes going outside our comfort zone, pursuing that, that troubled weather, that unsettled weather, stretching ourselves a little bit? I don't actually see comfort listed as one of the Beatitudes. There's nothing in the Bible that says, blessed are the comfortable, for they will be safe. So let's talk about unsettled spiritual weather. Most of us, when we think about this, are thinking about the trials of life, whether it's sickness or the loss of a loved one, financial stress, difficult decisions. There are so many trials, and they often leave us discouraged, anxious, sad, perhaps even traumatized or frustrated. Often our first instinct might be to vent and perhaps commiserate with others, complain bitterly, feel sorry for ourselves, and a whole host of other emotions. But are, And these are natural responses to trials and nothing that we should minimize. But what is the mindset that we should have when we, in the face of these trials? And what does the Bible say about this? And so if you'll turn with me to James, like you can look in your Bibles in James chapter 1. And I'll have it up on the, the screen as well for you. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. Pure joy in the face of trials? What does that mean? How can you think about that as being a mindset? What is he talking about? What is this joy and how, how is it different? Joy is this deep-seated contentment and peace that we can only have through a relationship with Jesus. It's different from happiness. Happiness is, is something that's more external. Uh, it, it comes from our circumstances and, and things outside us, whereas joy is cultivated internally. In Nehemiah, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And this mindset that we're asked to take on when it comes to facing trials and tribulations or even unsettled weather is the mindset of joy. But why? Why do we take on that joy? And the answer is in the second verse here. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
What does that mean, perseverance? Perseverance is much more than just enduring. It is a more active moving forward. Jerry Bridges in his book, Trusting God, says this. Perseverance is the quality of character that enables one to pursue a goal in spite of obstacles and difficulties. It is one thing to simply bear up under adversity. This in itself is commendable. But God calls us to do more than simply bear the load of adversity. He calls us to persevere, to press forward in the face of it. The Christian life is meant to be active, not passive. The Christian is called to pursue with diligence the will of God, and to do this requires perseverance. So it's in the moment of trials that we have a mindset of joy because it produces perseverance. And why perseverance? Well, because when it's finished its work, it may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I had a situation come up this week at work that I lost a lot of sleep over. I was working through a very difficult situation with a colleague and was trying to help them see a way through a situation that seemed impossible to them. There was incredible pain and moral distress and anger, despair, frustration. And we had a long conversation, and at the end, I didn't have any good answers. I didn't feel like I could help this individual. And so maybe we could try this, maybe we could try that, but it was not satisfying. And we both left that conversation uh, with an unsettled feeling. And as I was preparing for the sermon and thinking through this, I thought, how on earth, in the midst of this trial, with all its pain and anguish, would I consider it pure joy? What does that mean? How would I apply this to this situation that I'm experiencing even this week? And it's that recognition that I'm learning something. I'm growing through this. That God is using me. He's, he's maturing me. He's demonstrating that I can learn to love even deeper. I can grow through this, and I can be a witness to others. That's the joy in this situation. And so when we face trials with a mindset of pure joy, how on earth do we do that? The lessons in James carry on. So the first lesson is consider pure joy when facing trials of many kinds. And how do we do that? We read on in James verses 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So we're called to persevere, to push forward, to seek maturity, how do we do that with wisdom? I would say my prayer for wisdom is one of the most common prayers I ask of God. There are many situations where we don't know the right way forward. And this isn't about sitting back. This is about pushing forward. And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us. 2 Timothy 1, verses 7 and 8 say, For the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the, by the power of God. This is a power that we have through the Holy Spirit. It's not timid. It's full of power. This is not a call for comfort. 
join with me in the suffering for the gospel. And as we do that with the power of the Holy Spirit, we grow and we learn. And if you look in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. How do we learn these things? How do we learn the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it's not through sitting back in comfort. I can tell you that. These things are achieved often through trials, through relationships, through struggles. We learn to love more when we're faced with people who are difficult to love. Scripture tells us to love our enemies. We learn joy through trials, as we learned in in James. We learn peace only when we've been struggling through conflict. We learn forbearance and patience only when we've been treated unfairly or perhaps having children. So let's turn to Jesus. So if we consider a pure joy when facing trials of many kinds, and we are called to persevere, to ask for wisdom, to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, this will result in fruit. But what about Jesus? In Hebrews, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Again, not a life of comfort, a race, one that we run with perseverance, throwing off things that hinder us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him. He endured the cross. Why? So that he could provide salvation to the world, a way forward, a relationship for all who come, call on the name of Jesus. I don't know if you're like me very much, but one of the things I like to do is compartmentalize my life. I've got my work life. I've got my home life. I have my church life. I've got my play life. And one of the challenges I I have is that I think in different aspects of my life, I have brought Jesus into that. But in other areas, I don't think it's permeated throughout my life to the extent that I think we're called to. This phrase, bringing Jesus into life, is on our website. It's a phrase that Pastor Mel often uses And it talks about how do we bring him into all aspects of our lives. I may pray a lot about my children for blessing, guidance, and wisdom in knowing how to raise them. But I might completely neglect to pray about situations at work. I might feel sometimes that Jesus has very little to do with my entertainment choices or what I do to relax and play. play. But the truth is he deserves to be part of it all. In John 15, Jesus talks about being the vine, and we are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, and apart from me you can do nothing. 
Further down in the pasture, uh, in the passage, it says, "As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love." There's this sense of abiding in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. And the intent of this is not to have Jesus in part of our lives, but in all of our lives, and to be part of everything that we bring Him into our lives. And so, I want to reframe that there is no such thing as bad weather statement, and consider how we might apply this to our spiritual lives. In this way, there's no such thing as purposeless spiritual weather when we bring Jesus into life. It's when we invite Jesus into every aspect of our life that there becomes purpose to those hardships. This, I think, is a worthy mindset. Are we in a position where we want to control the climate that we are in spiritually? I think I hopefully have made you think a little bit about a few things, that we generally have this love of comfort and want to control the climate, that actually this may not be the healthiest thing for us. Spiritually, the idea of comfort and convenience and safety are actually values that are not in Scripture, and yet they may be things that we hold dear as part of our lives. In Scripture, we're talking more often about us being called to suffering, to hardships, to trials of many kinds. And there's this tension that exists between the two. There's a tension that exists. And what might we do with that? I want to bring you back to this challenge that Pastor Mel and Pastor Dave have given us recently, and that is to invite, include, and invest in others. And perhaps stretching ourselves outside of our comfort zone may be a way to grow in this tension. I have a friend and uh, a brother in Christ here at this church who's taken on this invite challenge in a whole new way. He has decided to invite someone to church every single week. And to my knowledge, none of them have actually taken him up on his offer. But he's continued to be challenged to invite someone new. I'm amazed at his courage and tenacity. And I have to admit, I don't have that same courage. But that challenge to do so Uh, is remarkable, and I'm thinking about it more and more often as I'm talking to people. Perhaps inviting someone to your home, offering the gift, gift of hospitality is something to consider. Perhaps just asking to pray with someone. And what about including people? What about the people who don't seem to fit anywhere else? The church is the place for them. How do we include them, notice them, invite them, be part of what we're doing, be part of an activity here, serve with me, in this activity. And perhaps the challenge might be to invest. How is it that you might consider giving differently, either financially or with your time and talents to the church? If it feels a little bit uncomfortable to do one of these things, I would suggest to you that it actually might just be the healthy thing to do. I want to finish off this morning with what I call the crazy stroller challenge. Now, coming back to the story at the very beginning, it seemed crazy for people in New York to see an infant on the street outside a cafe. But it's not crazy to people in Copenhagen. In fact, it's a healthy thing in Copenhagen to do this. And is there something about our culture of our church where to people outside our church, what we do and say and the challenges that we take up might seem crazy to them. 
But inside the church, it just makes sense because we have this mindset in our minds of how we want to grow and continue to grow in Christ. Now, I'm not asking you to do anything illegal here, so please don't. But just think about what you might be challenged. When I was looking for an image to try to illustrate this challenge, this is what I came up with. So this is the crazy stroller challenge. And I realized, you know, this kind of actually could be, I could see Pastor Dave having a stroller like this. <clears throat> and uh, and there's London in it. See, there's, hey, London. And uh, you can see how ba Dave could, uh, could take on a, a stroller like this. But his would probably be a little different. I think he'd probably have a motor and a big muffler that went boom, 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 boom. So now, unfortunately, this crazy stroller challenge actually isn't really working very well. So I'm just going to abandon the whole idea and want you to consider a different challenge. I want you to think about the weather over the summer. Think about going outside every day rain or shine, and not just for 22 seconds. Now, don't go out if it's thundering or storming or if it's dangerous, but you can go out every other time. And if you get a little bit damp, you feel a little bit of discomfort, perhaps a little too hot, perhaps a little too cold, a little too bit windy, as you experience that discomfort, I want you just to think for a moment if that might be a healthy thing. I want you to think for a moment back to that challenge about how do we invite or include or invest in the church. Think about that. Use that as a trigger to think about what you might do in this church that might just be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's the right thing to do. Think about whether you're trying too hard to control the climate of your life, the spiritual climate, and if that's really what God would have you do. Folks, there really is rarely any excuse for not getting outside. So I challenge you this summer to step out of your comfort zone in the service of God and others. Because if you do and if you persevere, you will grow in maturity. And as James says, you'll work towards being complete, not lacking anything. And that, my friends, is pure joy.